You are listening to the REI Central Podcast presented by Maven Realty. I'm your host, Troy Gandy, broker in charge of Maven Realty, with my co-host Dan Rivers, your eco-friendly realtor. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to all things real estate and real estate investing in the Charleston market. REI Central is a monthly real estate investing meetup presented by Maven Realty and Clear Vision Coaching. An REI Central event takes place every month right here in the Charleston area. We would love to see you at our next event. Also, please know that we are not attorneys or accountants. The contents of this show should not be considered legal or financial advice. The discussions in this show are not intended to be professional counsel. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 18 of the REI Central podcast presented by Maven Realty. Um, Today we have um, a recurring guest. This is our first guest we've had come back more than one time. Um, I'm certain he'll be back quite a few times. He's one of our best buds. We work with him a whole lot. Um, This uh, topic today is going to be a little bit more broad, um, more of sort of a casual topic, still very, very important, but not really as specific or narrow as what we usually do. Um, Later in the episode, we're going to get into uh, kind of the importance of networking and your community, being a part of your community. If you don't have a community, um, building one out yourself, it's really, really important, especially with an industry like this. Um, it really can, can accelerate your career, just making sure you find your tribe, um, you fit in well with them, and everybody helps one another. So um, we'll get to him in a little bit. I think uh, the first thing we're going to get to is um, we're going to do a market update with Dan. Um, so Dan, do you want to get into that market update? Yeah, sure. Um, I'd like to, I know normally what I do for the market update is I um, go over all statistics. I have a few stats and then I kind of want to chat a little bit about what's going on and get everybody's opinion here. Um, So let me start off with total homes sold from April 1st through April 12th. I took this data a couple days ago. We're 460 closed homes. Last year in that same time frame, the same 12 days was 591 homes. So we're down about 23% in closed home sales in the first couple of weeks of April. Um, and then for sale, we're down about 20%. We have about 4,800 homes for sale right now. Last year was in the five, oh, you know, over 5,000, well over 5,000 homes for sale. So we are seeing this start to affect the marketplace, um, but there are also less buyers. So inventory, from what I've been seeing, is still moving. I mean, I put a home under contract, I want to say every, at least three out of the last four or five weeks. So things are still moving. I got another listing coming up. So there are people that want to sell, they want to move forward in the real um, with real estate right now. But I think it's very important that we kind of talk a little bit about the people themselves. And then I'm going to go on a little bit more of the COVID-19 talk. But if you're thinking of buying or selling a home now very well could be the right time, but it may not be the right time. And it really is specific to the person, what your goals are, what your needs are and what you have to have done. So if you feel that you want to talk to someone about possibly listing your home or starting to look to buy a home, I think it's important to chat with someone chat with an agent like ourselves um, in detail of kind of like what your game plan is. For instance, if you're at a house and you have a family there, and you want to try to list that home, you can wait a few more weeks. There's nothing that's stopping you from doing so. It may make sense because you're not going to want a lot of showings. Now, we are there are a lot of restrictions going on in the NAR where you have to do virtual, virtual tours, virtual showings. They really don't want agents meeting with clients in homes and walking through homes, but you still got to have an agent walk through the home. Um, myself, I know 
I think Troy and Russ are doing the same thing. Where we have 360 um, videos that we'll do of a house. We'll take plenty of photos. We'll be as detailed as possible, so you could basically understand what you're buying before you buy that home. So selling homes, hopefully, we could do about as virtually as possible. But it still may not be the right situation for you. It may, may make sense for you to hold off a little bit. And in other situations, it may make sense to go ahead and list your home, especially if you have a vacant home. Uh, you know, you can show it a little easier, or if you're just pressed and have to sell a home. There are some people in those circumstances that have to sell a home now. And if that's the case, we do have options to uh, help you with that, to do it as virtually as possible. Um, but it really is a case-by-case -case basis. And when it comes to buying, I think, I'd really like to kind of delve in this and get your two opinions on this, but with what's going on in the world right now, um, obviously we're hitting some sort of recession. To what degree, how it's going to affect the housing market, we're all kind of, there's a lot of speculation going on. But these are always the times to buy, especially as investors. You know, it's like buy when you start to have that downturn. These are the usually you get the better deals. Um, and if you are going to buy, here's you know some of the things that I would suggest is depend on what you're looking to do. If it's a buy and hold, it's just like you're investing in the stock market long term. You invest in the real estate market long term. As long as you're not going to buy it now, if prices go down 10 or 15 percent and you're not selling it in a year, you're looking to buy it and hold it for the next 10 years. You're fine as long as it cash flows, whatever your cash return is on that buy and hold long term. Um, obviously, vacancy rates, you got to estimate a little bit higher right now because you don't know who's going to be able to pay rent and for how long and how long this is going to go on. Hopefully, it's in the next month or so, things start to relieve themselves, but it may take a little bit longer than that. Um, now, if you're a flipper, you may want to adjust your ARVs. You may want to adjust um, your percentage that you're going to you know, push that ARV and what you're buying and, and and holding costs are going to be you're probably going to hold it a little bit longer um and then short-term rentals that i feel like they're taking the biggest hit and i've read a couple things saying that they're probably going to be the longest to come back um troy's a little bit more of an expert in there you can kind of delve into that a little bit more but um as a short-term rental i think i've told a couple of people that really haven't had a lot of showings you may want to look at different options maybe do a one month two month three month lease to someone who's in the middle of buying maybe a new build or whatever the case is and they need a place to stay for a couple of uh, a couple of months, and it's a way to kind of get that revenue in until the market kind of turns and short-term rentals pop back up. What do you, what do you guys take on it? Uh, <clears throat> I think we're definitely um, entering a recession. That's obviously better than a depression. Um, we were due for a recession, which I know sounds kind of cold, but you hear a lot of economists say that, especially leading up to this. We heard a couple people say it in the last year, like in person. Um, so if, if the length and severity of it can be mitigated, it's just part of the cycle. Um, so hopefully people weren't too over leveraged, um, leading into this. I mean, the, the, we're going to talk to Russ in a few minutes, the lunch group that we're in, um, we meet weekly. It comes up all the time is when, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Um, a lot of people that went through the last recession were very, you know, cautious um, with some of their buying in the last year or two. They had been kind of saving up and building their reserves more than a lot of the younger guys. Um, so, you know, hopefully, uh, I think the unemployment is going to be the biggest issue. Um, more housing, I think, is going to be a, a lot better off than it was last go around because there's not been as many predatory loans. Uh, the commercial stuff is pretty much locked up at the moment. A lot of the um, commercial investment style loans for flips and bond holds have shuttered. Um, I'm still seeing a few people say that they're lending on those, but I think that the 
ARV, um, the debt to incomes changed, uh, the, the debt service coverage ratios come up a little bit. Um, so we'll see what happens with those. Airbnb, as you mentioned, I think is going to be probably the biggest bubble. Um, I mean, our, when this happened initially, we had our next three months pretty much fully booked and they're like almost entirely wiped out now. Um, there we're, we're getting bookings still, but, um, we're not, we're being really cautious about who we allow in for one, which I, I think a lot of people don't have that luxury. Ours is an accessory unit. So we're able to be a little bit more careful with that. Um, but I've seen stuff on the internet, people that had significant Airbnb businesses that are just shutting it down. They're trying to sell everything as quickly as they can, um, just to, to cut their losses and get out of it before it gets any worse. That purge might be kind of good for that industry. Um, there were, I think, a little bit too many out of area investors buying, riding that very shaky wave. So I think if you're local and you don't have an overwhelming amount of inventory, you'll probably be okay, probably better off, honestly, because I think a lot of your competition is going to be gone um, when this is over. I've seen a lot of people in Park Circle shift to uh, for furnished rentals. So they're, they're doing, you know, 30 day, 60 day, 90 day furnished rentals, um, which is probably going to help those that are still doing their short term rentals. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, we all three of us have spoken about it lately that it, it's we just don't know what's going to happen. So it's really just a matter of like trying to focus more locally, I think, than globally, seeing what's going on. As long as we can keep our our unemployment um, somewhat minimized, then I think the housing market will be OK. We're going to have a shortage of inventory when we do go back to normal. So that's going to be really competitive. We might actually see really high prices because there's going to be a lack of inventory. But hopefully we'll also see a flood of new listings too with people that have had to delay listing their house the last 30, 60 days. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Um, <clears throat> Russ has still been out. All three of us have still been out running around working. Um, Russ has still been out in the field too. So I'm also interested to hear his opinion. And he's been doing a lot in the Columbia market. So I'd kind of like to hear how Columbia has been affected, if it's been any different than Charleston. What do you think, Russ? Uh it's a little difficult for me to say because I was really fortunate that I sold and closed on two properties in Columbia right before this um, got serious. I mean, there it was happening, but it wasn't really affecting South Carolina too much. Um, I've seen the activity level in Columbia drop in general, um, kind of similar to what's happened here, you know, 20, 25% drop. And um, Troy, you mentioned our lunch group and I've, I love that group because I'm never the smartest person in the room and I can always learn. And the people in that group have been saying, we don't have a crystal ball, but probably fall of 2020 because of the election. And, you know, we were due for a correction this year anyway, but nobody saw this coming. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. It's been, go ahead. All right. Uh, another little point I was going to say to kind of be more local um, is one of my thoughts is I mean a lot of people have been moving to the area from you know the northwest the northeast down to the southeast not necessarily just Charleston but you got a different you know some cities down here that people are moving to I don't know I just wonder that we've already been low on inventory we only have so much land here it's a beautiful area to live we've been growing what 35 people a day you can ask all you know the I, I could also see it starting to heighten that and more people in these larger cities because it's affecting the larger cities more. 
and more people are able to see that their businesses can operate with people working from home, I'm wondering if it's going to continue to see an influx of people move down to the Southeast. Again, not necessarily just Charleston, but Southeast. Yeah, that, that certainly could happen. Um, that's going to be really interesting too when this is over to see how work dynamics change. I think the logistics of employment are going to be very different. People have been saying that for a long time. I mean, we're sitting on Zoom right now and you can see people Zooming all day long. Um, it, it's definitely going to change um, employment. There's just going to be a lot more satellite, you know, employment in the future. So people are probably going to have a lot more control over where they live. Yeah, I think that's very true. And I know um, having lived in Mount Pleasant, a lot of my neighbors worked from home. It was astonishing how many, you know, 30, 40, 50 year old men uh, and women were home in the middle of the day. Um, and then had to duck back in the office to work. So it was that shift was already happening. And I like Dan's perspective, you know, coming from Massachusetts and choosing to live in a warmer climate. Um, and a lot of our, I'm thinking about lunch group people from, from Pennsylvania and, you know, places that have come here for the warmer climate. Um, if you can work from home and travel occasionally, why not? Yeah, we, I just noticed too a couple of days ago in the grocery store that there's a, the newest issue of like Southern Living or something like that. It's like a listicle of the 10 best places to live. And of course, Charleston was on the cover and I think the number one. And that we, we obviously win that award often. It's usually through Condé Nast. Um, but this is a completely different publication that's just said the same thing. So it's going to continue to bring people here. And I've not been here forever, but when I've talked to people that have grown up here or have been here their whole lives, they've said that this happens here a lot, that we get really popular for a decade and then it sort of becomes like underground again and people just sort of, you know, back away from moving here in droves and it goes back to that kind of small town feel that it had and then it accelerates again. So, um, you know, we've been in this little ride here for probably close to 10 years now. Um, where we've just had a significant increase in new residents. That's, I think, largely been because of our economy, because there's so much manufacturing here. Um, I don't want that to stop. I'd like to continue to have a, a really, really crazy strong economy here, because when things like this happen, it, it helps, man. It makes life a whole lot easier, especially those of us in real estate. So um, I think if there is a pause or a delay in more manufacturing, um, that that will probably slow down the number of new residents. But it might be good for us, though, to, to chill out on bringing in new people. Maybe we can try to get caught up on our, on our infrastructure. It's not going to happen, but it might be nice to try to catch up on infrastructure because um, we've got some, some pretty poor infrastructure here. Well, especially now on these days, we're trying to uh, get outside more and just exercise a little bit, you know, being home all the time. And... It's a little bit easier now. Me and my wife have been going on bike rides because the traffic's down drastically, but maybe this will help put more bike lanes and make it a little bit more of a bike-friendly area because of all the beautiful parks and everything that go on around here. It's just really not bike-friendly at all. Yeah, it's, it's really not. So, cool. Does anybody have anything they want to add to that, <clears throat> or should we go ahead and move into our guest? I just want to mention I do have uh, one listing coming up. I don't know, Troy, if you have anything or, or Russ. Um, but I have one coming up in Pemberton Farms over on James Island that should be hitting the market in the next couple of weeks. It's a uh, 
three bed, two and a half bath, 2,300 square foot, built in 2017, uh, fenced in, beautiful backyard, screen and porch with a little retainage pond right behind you. Um, it's a really beautiful home. So that should be hitting the market in the next, like I said, week or two. Awesome. Well, Russ, you've got, you've got some stuff going on too. I know you just got one listed yesterday, right? Yeah, I listed uh, on one of our flips, a full rehab in Hanahan in Yemen's Park 2. Um, and it is almost equidistant between the middle school and the high school, just like a mile from each of the middle school and high school, which puts you about three miles from the elementary school. Cul-de-sac, um, you know, four bedroom, two bath, fully remodeled. Uh, about 1,850 square feet, so pretty big house, nice big yard, um, and that one just hit the market yesterday at 268. Um, and I mean, a like new house, it's going to be hard to beat. Brick house too, low maintenance. That's awesome for four beds. That's a good price. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean, looking at the other four bedroom houses in Hanahan for sale right now, they start at 275. Mm -hmm. So for 268. Um, it's a good deal. Um, and then I have an, an <clears throat> excuse me, I have an investor friendly listing coming up in Hanahan in the commercial district, um, probably by the end of this week. And then I have a, um, an investor friendly listing in Mount Pleasant that's coming up, um, probably toward the end of the month. They need some time to move out. We're trying to make all of our listings vacant. I, I am trying to make all of my listings vacant so they can be shown. If possible, and this lady, if I give her to the end of the month, she can um, move to the upstate, and then we can do live showing. So that'll be nice. Cool, that's awesome, man. Um, I don't have a ton going on right now. I got a whole bunch of buyer clients that are looking for stuff, but um, got two burrs I'm working on, so I'm just trying to kind of focus on those, get them done. Um, we do have Ashley's property still listed on Sprules, a really cool commercial property, um, three units, um, warehouse, uh, office space downstairs, and then residential up that is still on the market. We had a ton of activity on that thing before this happened. Um, so I'm, you know, when this is over, I think it'll go. It's just a matter of hooking the right person at the right time. So, um, all right, cool. Well, you have heard our guests talk a little bit. This is Russ Scheider. Um, he's a good friend of ours. He's also an agent with the company. He does a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, you probably heard his other episode, wholesaler flipper. I mean, just does a little bit of everything, but What's always been the most impressive to me about Russ and most of our friends is his ability to network really, really effectively and very genuinely. Um, I've never seen Russ network with somebody where it seemed disingenuous. It's always like very helpful, very sincere. Um, and then Russ has also been really paramount in building our community that we have here with our investors, which we're very fortunate. We'll get into this later, but we're really fortunate here that we have like a very, um, helpful community for real estate investors. There's not a lot of shady stuff going on. And I think Russ has been very paramount um, in the development of that. Um, so we're going to get into some questions here with, with Russ. Um, <clears throat> networking, I, you and I have talked about this hundreds of times. Networking is obviously very important to you. So what to, to you, what is networking um, and what should you do to, to sort of be effective at it and to get going with building your network? Yeah, networking quite simply is making connections. And um, for me, uh, I focus on others, as you mentioned, and what can I do to help you? And hopefully there'll be reciprocation at some point, but even if there's not, even if I'm just giving, that's okay with me. 
because within the, the context of the total network, if you picture all those different connections, um, then we all benefit each other. Um, you asked how you do that. I mean, number one, I'll repeat it. You focus on others. And in the conversation, I'm asking tons of questions. You know, what do you do for a living? What's your business look like? What kind of goals do you have? What would you do if you could do anything you wanted to do? Um, how could I help you, you know, reach those goals? And then it's really helpful if you're, especially if you're just getting into networking to develop an elevator pitch for your own company and be able, able to explain in 20 seconds that we used to say the average elevator ride. Uh, now we don't go anywhere, so we're not in an elevator. Yeah. But the um, the 20 second elevator pitch is, you know, here's what my business looks like, here's the services I offer, and here are the opportunities that I'm looking for. So that when I ask that question, how can I help you? A lot of people turn around, so I don't know how you can help me until you tell me what you do. So have that elevator pitch ready. But even my elevator pitch is very focused on the other person. Yes, I'm sharing what I need for my business, but then I'm talking about how, you know, supplying my needs will meet their needs. Right. Um, and that, that it's really critical in a networking situation, whether we're on Facebook or Zoom or at a live cocktail hour, to gather a lot of information and build rapport. And that means tons and tons of questions that's awesome that's really good I, another thing i see us do here a lot is um a lot of referrals so we'll especially on social media where you know we'll say oh if you're looking for a contractor talk to this guy if you're looking for a lender talk to this guy and i, I think that's um super helpful i see us do that a lot without even mentioning necessarily what it is we do as an individual to try to like drive some sort of sale or you know, revenue from the individual, but rather just help them. Um, one thing that we have done, um, you know, we have a lot of meetings and stuff like that. We have a lot of different groups that run around. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't go ahead and mention our REI Central that we do, which is um, a meetup we do monthly. We haven't done it now in a month and who knows how long it'll be delayed. But um, that has been really, really fun for us. It was you and I, um, Russ, uh, Kelly and Dusty, Dan is really critical too. He helps every time that we have anything going on. Um, and that's a, a very like low impact, easy going sort of 21st century RIA that we're putting on. Um, did you want to kind of expand on REI Central, what our goals are with that and how it could help people? Sure. And I'll, um, I'll tag team on what you were talking about referrals. My father refers to spheres of influence. And if you picture a three-dimensional ball overlapping another three-dimensional ball, I mean, that's really how our lives are. And 30 minutes before this call, I got a call from, from a gentleman that I sold a property for last week saying, hey, I want to build something. Do you know a good architect? You know, and here are my qualifications for an architect. So I gave him one guy I know, and then I said, you know what? You need to talk to Scott because Scott has an architect that he, you know, and the conversation goes from there. So without repeating the whole conversation, that sphere of influence, that two steps now have connected two people who benefit each other. And it's, um, it's just social capital for me that they just remember that it's not going to benefit me in any direct way. And that's kind of what REI Central is all about. And REI Central, unlike a lot of the REIA groups, is not a cult of personality. It's not, you know, pay us $600 a year. It's not that you have to get shoved into a box. It's, it is organized. We 
don't just, that's the other thing I don't like about networking sometimes is you just get thrown into a room without being introduced to anybody or a topic. We're very careful to break the organization into groups based on interest. So we're connecting the right people with the right people. And you can get in a def different group each month if you want to meet new people or you can go deeper. Um, very low cost, very easy to attend. I love the fact that, um, you know, there are four of us running it. So it's kind of hard to develop a cult of personality where there's one dominant person. Um, and I think the biggest thing is our, our abundance mindset and genuine desire to watch everybody in the room grow. And that's what's fun about it. And we have made a lot of money and done a lot of deals and acquired a lot of properties through this network of helping each other. And I think one of the, one of the great parts about that is whether you're new to the business or you've been in it for a long time, because there's a lot of players that are, that are around here and they do a lot of business in Charleston. And then there are quite a few newbies that join the group. And I feel like they both benefited from RA Essential in their own different ways. So yep. it's just a great group of everybody. Everybody is welcome to be. It's okay if you're new with this and you're kind of learning. Um, you're in the room with a lot of people, whether it's a syndicator or a flipper or a wholesaler or a private money lender. There's a lot of different resources there to learn from. Yeah. And we were all new. We were all new one day. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm grateful. Um, you know, I can mention some of the people that helped me in my first few meetings, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. Um, help me run comps, you know, help me verify contractors. I mean, people helped me starting out and I appreciate that. And um, gosh, people help me out now all the time. I have daily conversations with people smarter than I am um, so we can help each other. It was for me, um, getting meeting you and then getting into our lunch group was tremendous for me. I was like 25, I think, and had done a fair amount of stuff, but I like just completely like bludgeoned one of our friends until he put me in touch with you to try to get into our lunch group. Um, <laughs> and that was huge for me. And that, you know, I met a ton of people and that really just kind of escalated um, what I knew I was capable of doing because, and then I was surrounded by people who were accomplishing more than me with the same, you know, education resources, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was huge. Um, and for community building too, I mean, REI central is something that we did very, very deliberately to kind of solidify our community even more so and to consolidate things too, because we had a lot of different kind of disjointed things going on. We wanted to bring it into one place and make it easier. Um, but, you know, that's a version and example of building a community. What can you tell us? Can you expand on the importance of building out a community any more than that? Sure. And I'll, I'll use you as an example, Troy, because when you came into the lunch group, um, and I'll explain, I always explain it this way. Um, my networking is like an archery target. You picture an archery target. There's the small blue ring at the middle. There's a slightly bigger, and I may be wrong with the colors, but there's a slightly bigger red ring, and then there's a big yellow ring. And those are your networks. Those are the people really, really close to you, a little bit further out, and then your broader network. And when you came into the lunch group, Troy, you're, you're smart, and you are persistent, and you're stubborn, but you'll listen, and you'll learn, and you'll ask questions, and you get it right. So when people come into REI Central, it's the same thing. It's just a much bigger group with much 
national opportunities if you want them. Um, but to do that, to ask questions, you know, listen to people when they speak, contact them later, and stay curious, stay consistent, and actually, you know, accept the information and act on it. Yeah. I agree. And, and just help people. Like since this has happened, since we've all been kind of stuck at home a lot, I see a lot of us um, trying to work on like administrative stuff and organizing things and maybe things that have fallen through the cracks. We're trying to, to get them back out and, and figure them out. I, I get like three or four messages probably every day where somebody is just asking for my opinion on something on a business model. Um, they need sure. to work or something, whatever it is, <laughs> sharing that information. Sure. Cause need the same thing if I need anything that I don't know the answer to or I need a resource that I don't have I've just I mean it's so simple to just reach out to one of the like hundreds of people that you've met that you trust and they trust you and just ask them for help and they're going to help and then you're not sitting there like banging your head against the wall calling 30 lenders trying to figure out who's still lending you can just send an right. email post it on one of your groups like a Facebook group that we have and say, right. still ending. Anybody have any experience with anybody that's still going? So it, it's just helpful to be um, integral in a community to provide value because it pays back in dividends. Yeah, and that's the that's my whole thing about. I don't ever want to be the smartest person in the room. And at REI Central, I definitely am not even close. So the whole purpose of that statement is that I know I can ask the other people in the room, and they'll help me because there's an abundance. We're not. We're not competitive to the point that we're going to cut everybody's throat, cut somebody else's throat to get a deal. Um, I am I'm working on a project right now, writing a book through a series of interviews, and it's astonishing to me to hear how many times these high-level investors who have done really cool things like convert residential properties to these high-dollar commercial properties owned multiple businesses. I'd love for you to hear the story of Kelly and how she built a little business on a little business that complemented another and all these things that they've done and to hear them say, but if, if I can help you work the deal, I'll help you work it and walk away from it. I mean, that's huge. And that's to me, when we talk about networking, people say, well, I want to buy you a coffee and pick your brain. And those of you who know me, that, that is my ultimate turnoff because it sounds like, you know, I want to buy you a drink and waterboard you. Mm -hmm. That's, <laughs> it sounds horrible. What I'd rather say is, you know, let's figure out how we can help each other. Let's figure out how we can work together. Let me, let's figure out how I can get you a deal or you get me a deal and we learn from each other, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat you up and steal your deal. And yeah. that's really, really critical to good networking is all of, I hope, and I hope if somebody hears this podcast and says, well, Rush, you beat me up and took my deal, please call me because I did not intend for that to happen. And if it did happen, I need to know about it yeah. because that's not how I live. And that's not, that's not what I feel like I'm doing. So if anybody feels like that's happened to them from me, please contact me. I'm all over social media. You can find me. I, I would but be. That, that's really the whole point of REI Central and and this podcast and everything is let's help each other. Yeah, that's been what I remember. You guys starting Clear Vision, the coaching program that y'all have, mm -hmm. uh, which is awesome and invaluable for people. Um, and I, you guys said that you were like we the three, it's you Kelly and Dusty, and the three of you were getting coffee like almost every day. 
with somebody and just giving them like 10, 15, 20 minutes. And I, I do it too. I've not done it as much anymore, but you guys said that's like why you did it was you were like, we're all like wasting, not wasting, but like spending a significant amount of time. If you break it down out of an hourly chunk, um, for a lot of the time, just things that could be answered, you know, with a text or an email or a quick phone call, or you could just come to a more consolidated event and you'll get the same information and maybe even get better information. People come to me with stuff, stuff talking about like contracting and design and like much bigger commercial or financing issues that I don't have the answer to. Cause I don't, so I, like it was just kind of a waste of time for both of us. Um, and I remember thinking like, that's, that's so wise to do. Um, and then that just sort of rolled out to REI central too. Um, which the hope there was like, just consolidate all the stuff. So we're not all running around all the time, getting coffee everywhere. Like, you know, having phone calls at 6 PM when this could all be done in a way more organized fashion. Um, I'm well, and, and we've got, I'm going to jump in cause we've gotten even better at that, Troy. And the point is not, I don't mean to be rude and say, don't say I'll buy you a coffee and pick your brain. Although I am going to be rude and say no to that. Um, because there's a much more effective way to do it. Call me on the phone, ask me a specific question or two or three, and if I don't know the answer, which I'm, there's a good chance I won't, I know somebody who knows the answer, or what we've done through our coaching program to get more effective is I've recorded hours and hours of videos answering the most common questions. Troy, I mean, um, Dusty's recorded videos, Kelly's recorded videos, giving a detailed answer that you're not going to get over coffee. And I would rather send you that video in a Google drive length. And you know, you want to know how to run comps without the MLS. Here you go. You want to know how to figure out repairs on a property. Here you go. Um, you want to know how to work with an agent, an investor friendly agent. Here you go. Rather than trying to do it over a coffee or a cocktail that just doesn't work in my opinion, um, as effectively as these videos that we've recorded or attend one of the meetings like REI Central on Thursdays, once a month when we're not shut down and it's all there. And I, and I think you bring up a good point, Russ. I mean, obviously you've been doing this for a while, Troy, you too, you built a good team around you um, of people that you can lean on for resources. But if you're a new person, um, I actually spoke to I think you saw yesterday, um, someone posted on the Facebook group about wanting to get in here and start flipping homes. And she was pretty new. I had a good conversation with her yesterday just to help guide her as best as I could to get her started. But one of the biggest things I mentioned to her was putting a team together. And since you put such a strong team together, Russ, how did you do that? How did you vet them? You know, what, how did you make that happen? So I'm going to backpedal a little bit and, say the education is so important that in order to vet people, you need to know the questions to ask. And, and to me, meeting people's easy, Dan, and I love the way you asked the question because meeting them's easy, vetting them is difficult. So in order to vet a contractor, I need to know what a roof costs. I need to know what a peer costs under a house, you know, as an example, in order to meet, in order to vet a lender, I need to know what kind of rates I expect, what kind of fees I expect. So getting educated first, I think is really, really critical before you start trying to build a team and vet people, because you need to know what to ask and you need to know when you get the right answer. 
And that's the, the reason I bring that up. That sounds really rudimentary, but I see so many people making that mistake where they're new in the business. They spend no money on education. They spend no time on education, no significant effective time on it, and then try to build a team and vet them. So let's say you do know what you're looking for. Maybe you're moving to a new town. Um, Kelly Garrett, and I think this is smart. I do it all the time. I take pictures of every bandit sign that I drive by because I flip houses. I buy a lot from wholesalers. So those tell me those are wholesalers. So that's one way. Um, Dan, you and I just did a podcast interview on a separate podcast about finding an investor-friendly agent and what that looks like. And I think statistically it's 2 to 4% of the agents out there so that's a very small percentage who actually will effectively work with investors. Finding a lender. Troy mentioned it a few minutes ago. Email, you know, reach out on Facebook, come to the meeting and say, hey, who are good lenders for what I'm trying to buy rentals and BRRR the rentals or I'm trying to flip. And um, I think the key to the whole building a team is knowing what you're looking for and having very specific goals. So when you vet people, you can say, yeah, this is the woman, this is the man, this is, this, this seems like this is going to work. Um, so that, that's my answer to that. I think too, sometimes that calling it a team is almost kind of a misnomer because that's a lot of new investors. I don't know if they have a notion of like, you know, they have to make like a roster. And that's like the only ones they're going to use. I mean, you don't, sure. you don't sit down in an office with these people every day and have like, you don't go through your bulletins and your agenda and have a corporate meeting all the time. Almost all of those people that you're going to be utilizing professionally are contractors and they're going to be almost all sales-based. So right. they can evolve a little bit, but you need to find the ones you like and trust and don't feel necessarily like you need to report to them or they need to report to you until you're like actively doing something with them. Right. Um, it, it's almost a misnomer. I wish there was like a different term for it. Like m not network necessarily or community, but like something like that. It's like you're, you're like vendors. I don't know. It, it's like your preferred list of vendors that you're going to utilize because they all have play a different role too. So you plug people in at different times throughout the process. None of those people are going to be, 100% part of that one transaction the entire time. Your agent's going to probably be, if you're using an agent, the most involved. But that's only up even until you close. And then after that, you're going to have to use your contractor throughout. You know, your lender's done pretty early on. Like, they're, they're, I wish there was another term we could use for that that was a little bit um, more flexible. I, I like the term team if you really think about uh, a baseball team or a basketball team where you've got people on the bench. Yeah who may not be in the game at that time. Mm -hmm. And not, not thinking of them as employees, because I mean, a player can quit the team anytime they want. We can bring new players on the team anytime we want. You may be sitting on the bench, Mr. Lender, because other lenders in the game, Mr. Contractor, Mrs. Agent, you know, Miss Wholesaler, you're on the bench right now, but you're on my bench. You're on my team. Maybe you're not in the game. So I, I like the team concept until we come up with something better. Um, as long as, as long as we realize that some of the team is on the bench, a lot of the team is on the bench a lot of the time. Yeah. And, and the reason why I, sorry, no, you go. I was going to say the reason why I, I don't care team, whatever you want to call it, but I think it's important that your contractor, your lender, your insurer, your, um, 
whatever, other pieces of that team, they know your goals and you know their goals. And that's why I like to, that's why I like the team part of it, but you're right, you can use any word you want there. But my contractor from my BRRRS knows what I'm looking for. I need to make that rentable for Section 8 and this housing to this level of, I don't need, you know, I'm not selling a $750,000 home. I need to put it in the condition to make it rentable and livable and hopefully something I don't have to put a lot of money into after I'm done doing the renovations. My lender knows my goal is to grow to, you know, 20 units over the next five years and, and try to, you know, continue to burr home and, and grow our portfolio so that they're looking at more of the big picture as well. They may not, you know, I've had one of the lenders, they've already bent on what they were willing to loan on. They're a little bit stricter now. This is before it all turned, but our last burrs that we did, they bent a little bit more because they knew they were going to get future business from me. So I think the team part of it, the reason why we say that, and obviously you can always switch people in and out because people's services change, people grow too large and they can't give the same start, whatever the case is, there's a lot of factors. But if they know your goals and you work with people that are willing to listen to your goals and kind of conform to them, I just feel that that's a good way to, that's usually where I'll show more loyalty. If they're a thousand dollars more in a project for innovation, but they know my goals, I know that we're talking the same language rather than bringing in someone new. Yeah. Um, yeah. If that makes sense, yeah. It does, and it can be a lot more efficient too. I mean, I, I use the same people for almost everything, but there are times when maybe a product's not available or they just might not be the right fit. But when I can control it, I'll use the same lender, attorney, contractor every time because it's just so much more efficient. It's so much more hands-off. I've got two birds, well, one bird like actively going on right now. We've been working on that one for almost eight weeks now, and I've honestly only been there like five or six times. So, cause they just know what I want. They got the Lowe's card. I can review the, the receipts like, and our, the lender already has all my stuff because I'm working on another refi right now. So it's just so much simpler. I'm like, you, you got all my returns. Like, just tell me what else you need. It's, yeah. And see, that's why I think the sports analogy really works because they're your high scorers. Yeah. So you put them in the game and you don't worry about them. You watch them. I mean, you watch the game, but you don't have to worry about whether you have the right people on the court. Yeah, it, it's um, a good, it is a good analogy. And I think like, if you look at it more broadly like that too, cause somebody could have like an injury. So let's say your lender can't access the product that you right. he's right. pulls ACL. So he's out this match, but the next yep. one, you know, hopefully he'll be healed and repaired and back to the game. So yeah, I mean, you're right. hundred percent. Especially during these times too, right now, there's a lot of, like we were talking about last episode, the non-QM loans have kind of frozen up. There are some out there. I just got quoted um, today, but the terms aren't as good. It was 8.2% with two and a half points to do a, you know, a bird non, and my last one was, I think it was one and three quarter points with 7.2%. So you're seeing there are some out there, but because of the times, they've gotten stricter. So I have to shift lenders for my last one because they're not given these non-human loans at this point. So especially during these types of times, you may need to make some adjustments because of, you know, factors outside of using their control. Um, what are, I know we've kind of talked a little bit about a few things, but what are some current projects or, or things that you're working on during this pandemic? Well, during the pandemic, um, we're very, very fortunate that uh, we work on vacant houses. So construction is still considered an essential service. My rehab crews are running wide open. I'm buying a new rehab on Friday and we will, um, you know, we'll continue to work on the job sites. Um, just put a listing up yesterday. I have another listing up that's having a showing tomorrow. So it is definitely not business as usual, but we're also not at a full stop. Um, 
I'm spending a lot of time at home doing a lot of things like we're doing now over Zoom. Um, and I need something to occupy my restless mind. So I've always wanted to write a book, um, but I'm not a fantastic writer. Um, but I love talking to people and I love asking questions and learning. So what I'm doing is I'm interviewing um, smart people, uh, experienced people, um, effective people. Uh, and Tim Ferriss taught me the difference between efficient and effective. And we can talk about that another time, but I'm talking to effective people because I've flipped houses, wholesale contracts, loaned money, um, owned some short-term rentals and one long-term rental and done just a few things like that. But I've never done house hacking, Troy. And we had an interview with Troy about house hacking. Um, I am just learning to be an investor-friendly realtor. Dan is a fantastic rock star investor friendly realtor so we did a chapter on how how to do that how to house hack joy how to be an investor friendly realtor i have a good friend who has done has bought residential properties with something as simple as a mobile home on it and then developed it into a massively valuable commercial property with no bank financing and very little money of his own i mean how exciting is that i don't know how to do that but paul knows how to do that um, Kelly Garrett has run all these different businesses, done hundreds of flips, and the way she integrates one thing into another and then goes to the next thing and builds step by step is just astonishing to listen to and, and to read about because it will become a book. Um, I won't write the book. I will collect all the information and give it to somebody who's a wonderful writer and have him or her write the book so that you can actually enjoy reading it. <laughs> But the, that's the whole point of this is the networking. Um, there'll be a podcast, though I'm sure there'll be Facebook pages and that sort of thing. But the whole point is to be able to learn from other people who've done things that I haven't done, they've done things you haven't done, because nobody can possibly master everything. But if there's a skill, I'm going to mention one more example, and I've got there are going to be 12 or 15 of them, is a friend of mine is doing a downtown commercial development in the little town he grew up in with the parking garage and a spa and a hotel. And it's so friggin' exciting to hear him talk about this is, this, he said, this project made me a millionaire overnight. He said, when it's done, he said, because of my involvement in it, and he's doing the the lion's share of the work, and to hear him talk about the step-by-step -step process. So if you want to do something like that in your hometown, or one of the other things that I've mentioned, uh, I think this book is going to be so much fun. And, you know, there'll be podcasts. So I'm rambling now because I'm super excited about this project um, while I'm here with my dog. Uh, <laughs> you know, not quarantined, but sequestered at home, you know, trying to keep everybody safe. Um, and I do go out and check on my projects because they're vacant houses and I only interact with the, the contractors who I interact with on a regular basis and we keep six feet apart. So we're doing our thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the book. I've been um, editing the interviews that you've done so far and they're really good. Um, the, the dynamic is really cool too, cause you know, all these people, so it's not, yeah. awkward. you're not like having to dig through their whole backstory and stuff. It's very, um, targeted, but it, it's just a really cool conversation you're having with each and every person. And they're all really different too. Like not just what they do, um, not what their, their specialty is, 
but their personalities are really different too and the way they communicate and they get their ideas across is different it's been really cool um so i'm really excited about it we wanted to tease that out a little bit here um because hopefully won't be too much longer i mean i know you've got we're happy we're about halfway through the information gathering, the interview process, and then I don't know how long the writing will take. And I'm, I need help with the title. Um, I'm calling it REI Confidential right now. Because okay. um, some, somebody already used REI Secrets. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're calling it REI Confidential. Because it's, it's the things you don't hear about. It's, it's this, the amazingly profitable and fun. The best thing is to hear how much fun these people are having doing these cool things. Uh, and the profits are, of course, off the chart. So REI Confidential. Awesome. Well, so I guess we'll start wrapping it up here a little bit, but we still got um, we got some more kind of personal questions for you now. Um, like you just said, I mean, you're still getting a lot done with the state of affairs the way that they are. So what's getting you through every day? What's, what's causing you to continue to push and to be so productive every day? I, I have a lifelong thirst for knowledge. I like to understand things, even if I'm not necessarily going to buy a residential property and develop it into commercial. Um, I am helping somebody do that right now. Um, so I just never know when it's going to come up. So I have that thirst for knowledge, and it's been really fun for me daily to, to learn more. Um, the other thing that drives me really is, is the freedom to travel, uh, which we can't do right now, but I'm, I'm setting up, you know, things in place so that when this, um, quarantine, I guess we're calling her the stay at home order is, is lifted. Um, I was supposed to be in the keys last week, y'all. We were supposed to be deep in the Florida keys all of last week. And I had a reservation at a campground in Myrtle Beach next weekend and in the mountains two weeks after that. So um, to keep me going daily, I'm planning those trips. And even if we have to do them in the summer or fall, um, because I just love that. I love, love to travel. And I mean, it, it sounds corny, but the opportunity to help other people achieve their goals. Um, that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about getting my real estate license is that I'm able you know, I'm, I'm still wholesaling, selling contracts. I'm still rehabbing, selling houses. I'm buying a rental property next week. I'm, you know, doing the things that I'm doing. But now to be able to act as an agent and have this other facet of my um, career relationships where I can help people in a different way, um, that's really been fun. And that's, uh, I've got one list, well, two listings now and a couple more coming up. So um, I feel like that's something that I can do remotely a little better than some of the other things that I try to do. Russ, I, I hear you. I think um, I think one of the reasons I, I think I enjoy the investment real, realtor, uh, investment focused realtor, there we go, I could speak, um, side of things is being able to help people out, especially the newbies. Sometimes it's even Sometimes I find a lot more fun working with someone who doesn't, hasn't done it before than does it all the time. I mean, it's equally rewarding, but it's really nice when you can kind of help someone adjust maybe their, their spreadsheet when they're trying to house hack if they didn't include certain factors to make sure that their numbers are accurate or whatever the case is. So um, I really respect that. Helping others, I, I agree with you. It just, it's an extra level of satisfaction. That's awesome, man. Well, and another thing too is I think you – 
we had another question here we were going to ask you. I think you sort of broached it a little bit here is goals for you in the future. I think you are um, starting to, to try to make things a little more passive and a little bit more automated, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that goes back to the team concept. I've got some really good people um, that are working on my team that I can trust uh, more so than in the past where I don't have to be as involved in every aspect of every transaction. So that's a passive thing. I'm starting to change how I invest in property classes um, and not being so transactional, but more cash flow oriented. Um, and then what's fun about it to me is having these young people on my team I'm creating opportunities for them and they get more and more excited. So, you know, it's, it's more for me, but that's not even the point. It's just the, yes. I mean, that, that helps me because I'm see the gray, you know, see this gray. I'm, I'm ready to, to not work quite so hard all the time and benefit from just the experience and that I can share with others, but watching them collect a check is a lot of fun. Yeah. That's awesome. I, and I don't know if you noticed, my beard, I'm letting it just go. <laughs> Check this out, man. It looks like I got like I've got paint in my beard. My paint, my beard's getting like very white and gray. I didn't even realize. Going to be on the Grecian formula. I <laughs> know. I didn't even know it. It was that gray until it grew out. Um, so, Russ, thing, thick. do you have any squirrels in there? I think you could have some critters in there. I wouldn't even know. Dude, this is why I don't grow up. Is it's like real thick and bushy and gets irritating, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm just too lazy to trim it right now. I'm just going to let it go and see, see what happens. So <laughs> Russ, if, um, if you were to do everything all over again, would you change anything or are you pretty happy with the way things have gone? You're muted, bud. Coming back. Okay. I, said I, I would change. I would change a lot of things. Okay. Um, I would focus more on my mental health and my marriage and some personal aspects uh, that I let go because I was just too wrapped up in the anxiety and the excitement of other things. Um, I think that I would build passive income earlier and not hustle quite so hard. I mean, that's there's this hustle, hustle, hustle mentality and you know i certainly hustle every day but i could have been making smarter decisions about the long term um but um i've had a lot of fun taking some great trips had some wonderful experiences had some great time with my kids that if i were working a nine to five job of any sort i mean we took a nine week rv trip nine weeks all the way across the country uh, you can't work for the man and do that. So yeah, if I had it to do over again, I would I would pay more attention to maybe you know the the foundations of marriage and mental health and some basic things and build my cash flowing assets earlier than I did. Um, but uh, certainly have enjoyed the ride. That's awesome. That's great. Um, and I know you obviously love to travel. So what else do you do to enjoy yourself? There's, I'm sure you, you got plenty of stuff that keeps you having fun, but um, what else do you like to do? Yeah, I, sometimes I play music with some of my old college buddies. Um, we get together and have a jam session and make each other laugh. Um, it's been really interesting reconnecting 
after so many years um, with old friends around music primarily because uh, I played in bands in college and, and after college um, and never really got good at it, but they still let me play. So it's, it's fun. Um, and my dog, um, if y'all follow me on social media, Dennis is all over my social media because he's all over me. Um, and my kids have fun with the kids. Um, they're involved in a lot of the travel and a lot of the things that we do. And um, I think I'm going to drop my kayak in the water this afternoon. And the weather's warm and, you know, why not? I need to get wet. So just get out there and enjoy. Nature is my thing. Nature and music and my kids and my dog. And it's all good. So you, um, I wanted to ask one more thing too. I know you, you read and listen to things a lot um, more than I do. Yeah. You're not disciplined with that. So is there anything that you've listened to or read lately that you'd recommend? So Kelly Garrett, um, who's been on the podcast, gave me a book for my 50th birthday with a beautiful personal note about what we talked about today. It's called Big Potential, and it's by Sean Aker, A-C-H-O-R. And Sean also wrote something called The Happiness Advantage. Um, but Big Potential is about how the small potential is when we're you know, we're all elbowing each other and cutting each other's throats and, you know, we have a small potential, but the big potential is when we can all work together and when we can complement each other's strengths and weaknesses and, you know, have the feeling of, have the attitude of abundance that we do. So Big Potential by Sean Aker is fantastic. And then there's an old book, um, I want to say it's from the 80s or early 90s called uh, The Referral Engine. And it's about networking. Um, it's by John Jantz, who also wrote Duct Tape Marketing. And Duct Tape Marketing is also a great book because um, it's just kind of funny, common sense, how to get business. But The Referral Engine is a book about building a system of referrals that just feed your investment interest or your business. If you have a car wash or a construction company or whatever, it's good for that too. But it, it applies really well um to the construction industry so again that's called the referral engine teaching your business to market itself by john jams that's awesome cool man well thank you so much for coming in today um <laughs> and sitting down with us at the round table uh, <laughs> uh rachel asked me this morning she was like is anybody coming over to do it i was like no we're zooming we're just gonna zoom yeah right on. all the way through um, Dan, do you, I, I do have a good story. I just had a very interesting Airbnb issue that I told both you guys about yesterday. Um, do you want me to go ahead and do that, Dan, or do you want to do the, um, do you want to wrap it up and then I'll tell it at the end? It's up to you. I could, if you want to wrap up things real quick, cause I'm very, I'm dying to hear the story. So I'll get through this in about two seconds and I'll tell the story, but I usually do what's going on around town, but we all know what's going on around town. It's whatever's going on in your house. So I'm going to switch gears to um, a couple things. It's easy to get caught up in negativity and sadness, especially people following the news, social media. Just do your best every day to find positive things. There are a lot of good things going on around the world. Um, find those things. Read about them. Um, take time to check in with loved ones. Call them. Catch up. Friends that you haven't talked to in a while. Other things are... You know, meditate or pray if you're religious, pray if you're not, maybe more of a meditation or maybe a little bit of a mixture of both just to try to get your mind right. But one of the biggest things at this time that we could be doing 
is just taking the time to really sit back, think about life, what truly makes us happy, and make sure that we're focusing on that goal. Because it's so easy to get caught up in the grind of your nine to five work. You drop your kids off at school, you come home, you have a little bit of time, you make dinner, and you go to bed for yourself. Let's take this, let's make this an advantage and really sit back and say, okay, what are the things that make me happy in life? And how do I bring more of that in my life on a, on a daily basis? And Russ touched upon it, it was great about hey, he wants to have more passive income so he can do more things around nature and, and jam out with the band and spend time with his dog. What are the things that really you're passionate about and how can you reach those goals either by passive income or maybe just adjusting your life and, and now may be the best time to do so. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, I'll tell you the story real quick. Um, I told I was talking to Russ yesterday kind of like in real time, basically, right after it had all occurred. Um, and I mentioned it to Dan, but I haven't really told Dan the whole story yet. So there is a lesson to be learned too in this Our, like I said earlier, like March, April, May for us were like our best months and they're basically completely vacant now. We just got so many cancellations, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's totally acceptable. Um, but what we're seeing now is um, we normally leave ours on instant book so people can book it right away. They don't have to request an appointment and stuff, but, or um, a booking. So I guess now that these months are so open, we've had some of our worst guests we've ever had recently because they're instant booking like the day of and then coming um so we've had a few people that were just not the the best guests most of the time people are planning out like months so they're already booked and they're coming for like a vacation or a specific reason um so we usually have awesome guests but we got a request um i can't remember when it was i think it was sunday um for someone to come she came almost immediately and she had like three people with her which she's only supposed to have two guests she had like three people with her um not trying to like be judgmental but they were all very sketchy looking um to the point that like one of the dudes immediately after getting out of his car basically peed on Ra rachel's car he went over and just started peeing in the driveway and peed on rachel's car um we have a camera by the entrance to the unit so we don't normally see this stuff in real time we usually get a notification that you know there's been movement and then once the video buffers we can see it so we didn't see most of this stuff happening for like an hour or two later. Um, and then almost immediately too, two of them were smoking a joint in the driveway, which like, I don't really care if people smoke, but like to try to be a little bit more discreet about it. Like, you know, we have a toddler that plays in the yard right beside the place. Um, so then the rest of the day, just constant coming and going from people like the people, random people would come for 30, 40 minutes and then just leave. It was really sketchy. So I think grand total there ended up being like, the girl that booked the place and then like seven other people that came and went all day long for really odd amounts of time. Um, and we told her in the evening, we were like, look, you're violating the house rules. You're only supposed to have one person. You cannot have this many people coming and going. It's unacceptable. She continued to basically. Um, so we went to sleep and we, Rachel woke me up at like three 30 in the morning and she was looking at the videos. She was like, people have been coming and going all night. It's so weird. So strange. So I went ahead and got up and like four in the morning, I see her pacing up and down our driveway. So I went out and confronted her. I was like, look, we already told you once, you can't have this many people coming all night long. There have been people coming and going all night. This is incredibly sketchy. This happens again. We're going to have to remove you from the unit. So she made some ridiculous excuse and said she was sorry. Um, then she sent us a message later saying she, again, that she apologized and that um, she had a lot of people coming to visit her because her dad had just passed away. Ironically, Rachel was looking her up in real time, like just Googling her and stuff, and finds an obituary from like over a year ago 
of her father passing away. So, you know, unless there was some other relationship that she considered to be her dad, like that was a blatant lie. Um, and then at 6 a.m., some other random ass dude is walking up our driveway. So I go out in the driveway and confront him. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why is, why are y'all coming and going like this? He's like, oh, she, she's my friend. Like, she's been having a hard time. She's using a lot of drugs and blah, 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 blah. You could kind of tell from her demeanor that she, she was real sketchy. Um, you could tell there definitely was something going on with her. So um, then I think they finally passed out. I told the guy, I was like, you can go in there, but you need to tell her that she's about to get kicked out of this unit. Um, I'm, you know, probably going to wait till the sun comes up until I do it. But, um, you know, later that day, we, then we call Airbnb. We asked Airbnb for some support on it and they didn't help us at all. They were supposed to send her a message at 9 a.m. telling her to leave. They didn't. Um, we called later and, um, I actually, I confronted her shortly after that. I woke her up and I told her, you're, you're leaving. You got to get out of the unit. She had a reservation for one more night. Um, and she, she broke down every time I talked to her. She told me like, I know I'm being super sketchy. There shouldn't be this many people coming over here. I know it's really suspicious that they're coming for such short, like little spurts of time. It reeked of weed. Um, it just every, everything about it. Um, every time I talked to her, she would cry cause she knew she was like being a, a piece of shit. Basically. Um, I kept telling her like my, I have a toddler like 30 feet away from you and there's, this is not going to fly. It's like, you're out of here at 11. If you're not, I'm calling the police. They'll come and escort you off the property. You know, there's not, we don't really have the same possession laws in South Carolina that some of the other States do. It's not a lease when you're Airbnb. I mean, it's sort of a, an informal agreement that you're allowed to be there but it's uh, kind of up to the discretion of the property owner. So um, we had to call Airbnb again. They were supposed to call her and notify her that she was leaving. They didn't. Um, Airbnb was really, really, really unhelpful. So again, I just had to go out and tell her again, like you're, you're leaving at 11, which is our typical checkout time, or I'm calling the cops. And I already called the police and they said, yeah, we'll come and remove her. Just let us know. Um, so it was like, you know, from four in the morning until, 11:30. She she asked me if I could give her a few more minutes. Um, just like pacing every couple hours, I'd have to go out there and knock on the door. Um, the amount of excuses I got was crazy. I told her you have to be out by 11. She's like, "Well, would you mind to call me at 11 and remind me because I have really bad ADD. I won't know what time it is." It was like stuff like that constantly. We we've never had a real problem with our Airbnb, so that was that was miserable. Um, she did finally leave. And then like, I even had to run the car off. Like they picked her up in the vehicle and they just sat in our driveway for like 20 more minutes. I had to go out there and say like, you're leaving right now or the police are coming. I was like, and I can't see any of you back on this property again. You don't want to be back on this property. It's a stay in your ground state. So really you should not come back. Um, but it was, it was just absurd. Like I would tell people to be very cautious right now. I think a lot of people are dropping their prices um, to try to, to try to fill it up, which might attract less savory clientele. Um, and because there's such huge gaps in your, your bookings, if you're on instant book, people can book immediately with like a, maybe a, a really weird emergency need. It might not be a, a very legitimate emergency. So just be careful. It was, it was pretty miserable. Rachel's out there cleaning. She just texted me a little while ago and said that the girl stole basically all the food and all the toiletries that we had out there for people. It's just like all gone. Um, there were cigarette butts laying all over the place. Like just, it was absolutely filthy. It's never been that gross before. So that's it. It's an interesting story. Um, hopefully people will uh, be more cautious right now while they're Airbnb their properties.
Yeah, that's crazy. I can't believe you had to deal with that, but it's good for people to hear because especially in toiletries, it's funny. I was talking to um, Jacob today uh, and he has an Airbnb and they're like, oh yeah, we're putting two and three rolls out there. I'm like, I wouldn't even, if it's one night, one, one roll of toilet paper right now. Cause I, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be going. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I'm been gonna, crazy, man. Well, That'll be it for today. Thanks for um, letting me ramble. Russ, we always appreciate you coming to hang out, buddy. And um, really excited for the book. We will um, be sharing that information as soon as we start getting a final product. Definitely blast that out on here. So keep your eyes peeled. Um, Russ, where can people find you if they want to chat with you? Yeah, thank you. Um, it's R-U-S-S-S-C-H-E-I-D-E-R. -S -S -E -E I just use my name on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I'm not on TikTok or any of that stuff. Um, and then if you go on Instagram, you can find Dennis the Property Hound. And Dennis is my miniature dachshund, and he's much cuter than I am. So you might enjoy Dennis the Property Hound visiting properties and uh, playing cards and things like that. Um, but yeah, follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I don't pay attention to that. Um, but when the book becomes available in podcast form or ebook or paper or whatever we do, um, we'll make an announcement and we'll probably share that on Clear Vision Coaching, uh, which is on Facebook at Clear Vision Mastermind. And then, of course, REI Central on Facebook, um, which are our local organizations here in Charleston. But what we teach and what we do applies nationwide so jump on yeah 100 percent. oh and our next guest too will be exciting as long as scheduling doesn't change we're gonna have tim bratz on for the next nice. two and a half weeks i missed that meeting where he made a presentation so i'm excited i don't really know you know how he does business i don't know what his model is so i'm excited to um to learn about it that. was fantastic it was so good um that'll be exciting i'll listen to that one cool man all right, y'all. Well, everybody have a great day. Stay safe and reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Troy. You're welcome, bud. Bye. We also hope to see you at our next REI Central meetup. More information on dates and tickets can be found at www.rei-central.com. Have a great day.